0: I want you to grab your Bibles with me, turn to Luke chapter 23. I've been in a series called Crosswords, and uh, going through some of the words that Jesus said at the cross. How many know that when someone's dying, uh, they're not cutting, cracking jokes, they're telling you the most important things before they depart? And Jesus has said some very important things. I love that his first word that we taught about was Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. If you're in this room, and you are continually dealing with this frustration of hurt that has come against you, or you've been the perpetrator of the hurt and God's finally opened up your eyes that you are the problem in this relationship of hurting people. I really want you to go listen to the first message in Crosswords, because I truly believe this was so important and why the sequence of what Jesus asked, Father forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I truly believe this for a lot of believers, I really do. That I have watched in the history of working with believers that so many other things that have come into their life have stemmed from their inability to forgive people. And it has opened up the door to so many things that have become hang ups in their life. If they can take care of this Father forgive it will truly open the prison doors, not just for them, but for other people they're wanting to see changed. But God cannot change them because they have already brought the judgment on that person with their anger and their bitterness. Selah. I'm telling you, this is a big deal for believers, is forgiving people. It's a big deal. Big deal. The enemy holds so many believers with this. Then he asked why, that's another big one, why, why have you forsaken me? Why did this have to happen to me? Believe me, Pastor Bryn and I have asked that, why? And I thank God that I'm in good company with the Lord Jesus Christ because he said why as well. And I discovered that his prayer, let this cup pass from me, was a no from God. And sometimes we don't like no. But his no from the Father was yes to Sam Reifkogel having eternal life and you being able to have eternal life. How many thank God that God gave the right answer so he could say yes to all of us who call him Lord and Savior? He's got a higher purpose in your why than what you realize. Go ahead and ask it, but always defer to him in the questions. He knows what he's doing. He really does. He's pretty bright. So today, I want to take you to the f- another cross that Jesus said. Luke 23, let's go to verse 39. Y'all ready? Grab your notepads, your Bibles, get them ready. You're going to love it. I preached it to God early this morning. He loved it. You'll love it. I promise. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah. Are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. What a smart aleck. You're going to die and you're going to be a mouth? You're going to die on this hill, this attitude. You're going to die on this attitude. You're going to die with this attitude. You would think somebody wouldn't, but I'm telling you, there are people who do it all the time. Die with that attitude. Mm. But the other criminal protested. I mean protested. God in his face. Protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I so appreciate that guy didn't sit there and keep debating with someone who did not need to be debated with. Too many of you believers are debating with people, say it once and move on. Stop your debate on Facebook, you are not winning the crowd, I promise you. I said you're not winning the crowd. I know you think you feel better, but you've lost a lot of people in your approach. And stop the text and the emails while you're at it. <laughs> Anything you're writing, that you're, just leave it alone, okay? This guy knew when to turn loose. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. Everybody say that. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom, and Jesus replied. Jesus, I replied. And even Jesus didn't waste his time with the other guy. Jesus replied, I assure you, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Friends, aren't you glad that Jesus Christ's whole purpose on the cross was to do one thing, was to shed his blood so that humanity could have everlasting life with him? I am so grateful that Jesus took the price. And that price was big, everybody. Come on, how many know that price was big? It was his blood. What's the big deal? What, what, why, why do you have to pay with blood? You gotta remember what Hebrews chapter nine and verse 22, the writer of Hebrews said, for without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Forget it, you can't, you can't play, do enough penance, you can't say enough prayers. The blood of Jesus did it all. And thank God for 1 John 1, 7, come on. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from A double L. Would you say the word? all, all your sins. So would you stop rehashing that stuff that he already took away from you, quit living in the cesspool of yesterday, and rise up off the bed of self-pity and realize Jesus Christ has transformed you by the blood that he shed on Calvary. It's never held against you again. We forget that, but how many think we ought to start praising right now for it because he's delivered us from it? Come on, you're freed from that. You're freed from that. Now, the reason I say that is because you're not getting something that a criminal did get. This guy got it in a moment what some believers who've been serving God 46 years are still haggling over and still living in the memories of something. Jesus said, I nailed that to the cross. It is all gone, period. Or, better yet, you keep using it against somebody else that he did it for. And you can't believe that God forgave him. Mm. That's a whole nother message. It's a really good one too, I must tell you. But look at this criminal. This criminal discovered something. He discovers the power of Jesus Christ's love for him, and the power of forgiveness. Now think of the guy's background. I mean, the guy's okay. Guy's a criminal. They 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 might have th- thought he was, you know, a revolutionary trying to overthrow the Roman government. Could have been that. People speculate what it could have been. Could have been theft. Whatever it was. But here's one thing we know: whatever he did, he got the death sentence for it, and he deserved the death sentence. He got it. And here's this guy in the last moments of life gets this revelation of who Jesus Christ was, and he gets it in that one moment. Bam, gets it and realizes that it's all taken away and he gets to be with Jesus for eternity. Something some believers never ever get a hold of and they're still rewinding. They're still rewinding yesterday. Can you believe it? This guy gets it. I don't know what he got, but how many of you want to get this today? I want to grab a hold of this, and I don't know how he got it. I don't know how it all came to him. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe the guy was taught in a godly home. Maybe his parents made him go to church like some of you young people are ticked off for sitting in here, but maybe his parents made him go to synagogue and go hear Jesus, made him go to church. He said, I hate it when I get old enough, I'm going to go do it on my own. Thank God his parents did that to him. So don't get mad at your mom and dad. Thank God they got you here. Parents, great job that your kids are in the house of God. Thank you for not letting a 13-year-old run your house. That's another whole message. It's it's the family series. I don't know what it was. Maybe Maybe his mama would sit there and sing songs to him about the coming of Messiah. Maybe, maybe, they would, maybe she would teach it to him. Maybe, maybe it was his dad that would tell him, son, a Messiah's coming that's going to redeem us from all our sins. I don't know what it was. Or, or could have been, maybe it was, maybe he was convinced because Jesus is not performing a miracle for him. I mean, if he really wanted a miracle, get me off this cross, get yourself off the cross like the guy across over here said, just do that and show me this miracle and I'll believe. But he didn't get that kind of a miracle. He didn't get a miracle of having life on the planet Earth. That'd have been a great miracle, wouldn't it? Really prove himself. But didn't get, but somehow he got this and maybe it was the way he watched Jesus Christ suffer. Maybe it's the way he watched him suffer. He's not, well, at least he's not suffering like that bonehead over here on the other side. See, the world watches how you suffer. I don't know, maybe it was when Jesus prayed. Maybe it was when Jesus prayed. Maybe it was that first thing that Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Jesus didn't realize, I'm not only freeing myself, but I'm freeing the guy beside me. I don't even realize by forgiving the enemies. Because this guy, I don't know what he must have done wrong, but you know he had a lot of unforgiveness in his heart. Maybe his parents were horrible. Maybe his father abused him. Maybe he beat him. I don't know. And he hears Jesus saying, wait a minute. Father, why have you forsaken me? And yet he's praying, Father, forgive me. Maybe he's going, how in this world could this... I don't know what it was... But this guy, in the pain, cried out of his own pain, in his own suffering, and says, Jesus, I believe, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'm gonna tell you something. Jesus said, buddy, you got it. Today, you're with me. Jesus said, you got it, buddy. You don't understand all of this. You don't have enough church time. You don't have a synagogue time. You haven't given an offering. I looked at your records. You haven't given a dime, but you're in. I don't know about you, folks, but whatever that guy got, I want to keep in my life. I want to learn a lesson from a criminal. Some of you would never take advice from a criminal. I'm going to take advice from this criminal. Why did Jesus forgive this man who seemingly doesn't deserve it at all? How did he get it? I think there's a couple things that we got to point out here. And uh, so go with me on a little journey. And just about we're going to have communion and we're going to have worship again but you need to realize something of why this guy got what he got from the Savior. Here's the first thing. First of all, he recognized his spiritual condition. He realized that one criminal cursed God, insulted Jesus Christ. I mean, come on, if fish food was brain food, this guy needed to eat a whale. The guy's looking at him, are you off off your nut? He insults Jesus Christ insults the son of the living God. He doesn't care about how he suffers. He doesn't care about what his mama taught. He doesn't care how Jesus prayed, forgive my friends. He thought the guy was weak He's mocking Jesus. Can I show you that this is the world that you and I live in? You have a receptive world that's just waiting for you to say something, but we're not saying something that could transform them life. And we got another one over here, doesn't care what we say, they have determined not to follow God. And in the middle is the guy that can change it all. And you just can't bypass the middle man, brother. You can't do it. You can't do it. But this guy, first of all, recognizes his problem. And look what he says in verse 41. He says this. This is what the guy says. We deserve to die for our crimes. This guy knew without Jesus Christ, death is for every single person. He got it as a criminal. We deserve, but this guy hasn't done a thing. This guy knew that the reason I'm in the situation I'm in is because of the choices that I made and I deserve this. Some people don't realize that. Folks, how many of you know that the law of sowing and reaping is not just for farmers? It's not just for your garden. How many know the law of sowing and reaping happens for every single human that is born on the planet earth when it comes to the things of God? How many of you know it happens even for the believer after they give their heart to Jesus Christ? I love what Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians 6 7. Just take a look there, real quick. He says, You will always harvest what you plant. I don't sow wheat and get watermelon, I get wheat. I don't know why some people plant one thing and expect a different crop. And he says this to believers. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, to please the Holy Spirit of God, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, friends, can I tell you that as a believer, when I make a decision, I don't think like a technocrat. I think like a farmer. Because when I plant it, some people think, well, 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 it's nothing's happened. I'm still doing what I want to do, man. Nothing's happening. This stuff, laws... Harvest sowing and reaping doesn't matter. You need to think like a gardener and not like a microwave Because I promise you the stuff you think you're getting away with really you're not getting away with at all It will come there is a harvest coming I promise you it will and the thing about it is it grows so little and so little so little so little so little that you don't understand that a weed has now become a full-blown crop some people say, Well, I just don't believe it. I did, man. Look, nothing's happened. Well, that's like the guy who mocks the law of gravity and decides to go stand on top of a 14 story building and jump off. And he's saying, See, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Well, of course, nothing's happening. You're only on floor three, but the ground floor is coming. It's a law of the heart of us. And in order to receive Christ's salvation and forgiveness, just like this guy, you have to admit your spiritual condition, and you got to admit it. And people don't see that need. They They don't see their need. And what we do is, especially as believers, we can get so familiar in the house of God sometimes. That what we do is we don't listen to the life of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We simply compare our life to someone else's life instead of comparing it to the life of the Spirit and the life of the world. We just compare ourselves to another believer who just isn't performing as well. And we say, my performance compared to their performance, I'm doing pretty good. You know what I'm talking about. Some preacher does something absolutely foolish and falls into sin. Well, let me tell you. Look what he did, look what she did, and I'm not so bad, and look what they're doing. Here's the deal about when you see believers fall. They're not Jesus. They didn't come live a sinless life. They weren't crucified for you. They didn't die for you. They weren't buried in the tomb for you, and they didn't resurrect for you. So quit sizing yourself up to them. Size yourself up to what Jesus Christ did on his furnished work on the cross. But that's what we do. We just think, well, look, I'm not so bad. We start looking at our performance. We start looking at our giving. We start looking at our church attendance. Hey, hey, I'm not a criminal. Come on, I'm not a criminal, I pay my taxes, I'm a good moral person, come on, give me a break. And so we think we have no issue, so we really don't admit our condition. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever lied? How many of you have ever stolen anything? So I can can relax that the rest of you didn't raise your hands are all tithers. You're tithers. You don't steal from God. So you're good. Oh, don't worry about the records we have about your giving. I'd worry about what his record says don't worry about ours let's let that settle for a moment before we act like we don't have a problem how many of have ever practiced idolatry idolatry well I got, I got no idols no 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 when have you done something that became more important than your affection for God because where you spend the most time and where you spend the most money determines what you worship the most. I put things before God, and i got to resize everything up every single time. How many of you have ever made a biblical decision because you knew the outcome would put you in a less than favorable position with other people, and you were more worried about worshiping them than you did what was right for God in the company? That's called idolatry. So my my point is not to pick on you and to make you feel bad and me feel bad. Somebody said, "Boy, what I need is just a good old motivational message right now." After hearing this guy. No, this is a good motivational message. My point to you is this, is that every single one of us need to see our constant need for without him, you cannot do nothing. You are nothing without the identity of Jesus Christ on the cross, his resurrected power that calls you sons and daughters. And outside of that, everything else will fail. Because look what Paul said. Paul said in Romans three twenty-three: for everyone has sinned. Can you say that with me? For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. In other words, this is my constant need to put him center of my life at all times because I know my condition is destroyed without him. Are you following with me? You will never get saved. You will never know the fullness of God's freedom and power until you confess your sin and know your condition no matter what amount of sin or what you think is the degree of your sin. And the problem is the enemy always just puts those little seeds in. And we don't wanna recognize condition, but we're constantly, you know one one of the worst terrible tragedies in aeronautical flight was probably Korean Airlines flight 007 going out of Anchorage, Alaska. And I think it was uh, October 31st, 1983 is when it was. And they took off, and the crew didn't realize that in their navigational computer setting, they didn't set it. They were off by just one and a half degrees in their aeronautical setting. And when they took off, they didn't even notice it. A hundred miles out, they didn't even notice it, but they started drifting until what they didn't realize is they had totally gone into Soviet airspace and not realized it. Soviet fighter jets scrambled into the air and these guys didn't have a clue, neither did the passengers on board. And they shot down an innocent plane, Soviet jets had shot it down out of the air, but it all started with just a one and a half degree mistake, but kept drifting this guy knew the reason I am here on this cross is because somewhere along the line there was just this one and a half degree mistake that I would never admit and never deal with and it has caused me to drift further and further and further and further away from the course that God has intended me. And can I tell you today that if you're off course, You are headed for destruction, and here's the bad news. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of Sam Reifkogel's sin is death, period. But I've got good news for you that you can do a course correction right now. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many thank God for the course correction that can happen right there in that moment? And I know the enemy's trying to tell you, yeah, but you haven't gone through sainthood and you haven't done all this. No, 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 no. Let me give you 1 John 1, 9. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from A-double-L, all wickedness. I don't care what it is. It is gone when you confess it. The course correction can happen now, but you got to admit, I'm off course on this thing. I'm off course. Believer, make the adjustment if you're off course. Those of you who don't know Jesus Christ, can I tell you, if a criminal can be that very day saved, enter in the kingdom of God, all you got to do is, first of all, I got to admit my condition. I deserve what I'm receiving. But how did he receive it? Just would not recognizing his condition, but can I tell you, he respected God. He had a respect for God. I don't know how he got it, but he got a respect for God. Look what happens. Verse 39 says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, you prove it. Save yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Can you say these next four words with me? Don't you fear God? Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? This guy knew that this life is very temporary, and there's one coming, and you don't even fear God, and you don't even believe it. He saw, somehow, this criminal saw the holiness and the fear of God. I love what Psalm 110 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to be smart? Fear God. Fear the Lord. So you say, what is fear? I'm not supposed to be scared of him. That word fear is a, is a reverential fear of him. A holy fear for him. It's it's a respect that I defer my ideas to his ideas. My thoughts to his thoughts. My ways to his ways. It's a respect. It's an awe, a wonder of who he is. It's an awe and a wonder. This is who he is. I give him all my respect and all my attention. That's the fear of God. Reverential fear. Now, how many many electricians do we have in this room? How many electricians? Hold your hand up real high. We've got electricians in this room. Okay, thank God for you, because if people like you weren't around, we would not have lights and that beautiful image of me. There'd be no power, right? Mitch, you're an electrician. Do you wake up every morning trembling? I gotta go to work. I'm dealing with electricity. I'm so afraid to go to work today. I'm dealing with electricity. No. You and your dad don't go to work frightened driving the work vans, so afraid you're soiling yourself going to work because you're so afraid. You work with something so powerful, but you don't go to work scared to death. In fact, you know that if I handle this properly, this is going to bless my life. It's going to bless a lot of people if I handle this power with respect. You don't go to work trembling and shaking. But you go to work with great care of a power that you're going to hold in your hands, and you use it properly, and you use it right. That's respect for something powerful. Right? I am so glad I don't get on airline. I would hate to get on my next flight. I get to see the captain. The flight attendants, welcome. It's going to be a great day. Good to see you today. But what if I walked on that plane and there's a pilot going, I don't think we're going to make it today. I would hate it if the first thing that I get on the flight, the first thing the flight attendant gives me says, you might want this. It's a parachute. No, I'm serious for a moment. I'm, I'm just telling you, the pilot has a fear of gravity, but he has a healthy respect for gravity. But that flight, that, that, that gravity doesn't mean he goes to work afraid and fearful. I don't sit here and I'm afraid to be with God because I'm afraid he's gonna strike me down. I mean, I'm telling you that pilot has a healthy fear for gravity, therefore he handles everything and every instruction to the T, so that he gets to where he's supposed to be and everybody gets to go with him. Yeah, I meant to tell you, they're not, they're not reckless with no there's only two kinds of pilots okay you just got to know there are old pilots and there are bold pilots but there are no old bold pilots they've got the experience and they know how to handle it right it's the same thing with god I don't, I'm don't. i not afraid to serve God. I have a respect and awe because I know if I listen to him, his word and his instruction is so important that my life will get me to my destination and give me a power I cannot have without him if I handle him with awe and respect. I like what John Bevere says. This is so good. The fear of the Lord isn't to be afraid of God. It's to be afraid to be away from him. How many thank God you've had God and you haven't had God and it's better to have God than not to have God? How many thank God for what he's done in your life? Amen? But this guy got this, he got this respect, this awe of God and he saw it in Jesus Christ. And I'll be telling, I'm going to tell you honestly, I'm so concerned about our nation. I'm concerned about people in the church in America that have lost their fear and their respect and their honor for God, like the unrepentant thief, the unrepentant criminal. Our nation better get a fear of God back inside of itself. It better get a fear for the righteousness of God and the holiness of God that will judge every human being's sin. He will because he's a holy God. You see, you trying to scare me, pastor? If I could scare you to get it done, I would. You say, you're not trying to frighten me. Well, I'd, I'd I'd, I'd rather scare you into heaven than lull you into hell. I really would. Because I hear the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, don't you be afraid of those who cannot kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Not a denomination that you might have greater respect for. That's his words. Wow. And if you lost your fear for God, sir, ma'am, if you lost your fear for God, You're on your last leg, like that other criminal. You're on your last leg. Romans 3.16 says this, destruction and misery, always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. The reason there's no peace is because they have no fear of God. They have no fear of God. But how many thank God the good news is not Romans 3.16. How many thank God the good news is John 3.16? <laughs> For God so loved the world. Come on, say it with me. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How many thank God that's the good news that criminal got, and that's the good news you and I are getting today? That's the answer. And this guy with his... Knowing his condition and the awe of God said, I can receive salvation. He got a revelation of salvation. And I love this. He knew Jesus was sinless. I don't know how he knew that Jesus was sinless, but look what he says. We deserve to die, but this man hasn't done anything. He knew Jesus was the sinless son of God. He knew it, and it was the only way. He figured out what Paul would write about later in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, who never sinned to be offered for our sin, for Sam Reifkel's sin, for your sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This guy figured out, this guy is sinless, this guy doesn't need to be here. He He knew Jesus was on the cross, not because he had to be, but because Jesus chose to be for him, and that's what he got. Because Jesus said, no man takes my life. He said, just get it right now. Satan is not taking my life. I'm freely giving my life. Somehow this, guy's got, this guy got it. Jesus knew, I can call 12 legions of angels right now to rescue me out of this pain so I can escape the pain that I'm going to go through for you. Do you realize how many 12, 12 legions of angels? Do you all know how many that is? is? You know angels Do you know how many angels that would be? That's 72,000 angels. Jesus said, I can call 72,000 angels right now. Do you know what one angel could do? Read the word. One angel in one night killed 185,000 Assyrian enemies of the people of God. One angel killed 185,000 in one night. He said, I can call 72,000 right now and we call this done. This guy figured something that Jesus wasn't nailed to the cross and he wasn't held there by nails. He knew Jesus was held there by his love for him. And he got it. And look at his faith. This guy had faith. This guy had faith in that moment. And you know, when you see faith, look what he says. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't say if you come into your kingdom, because I don't know if this might not work out or not. There was no if about it. He says, I know who you are. You're the sinless son of God. I get it. It's been revealed to me. I receive it. I know I need you. And when you get in there, Jesus, please don't forget me. Remember me. He didn't say if. He said when you do. He knew salvation. You know what he knew? He knew salvation wasn't by works. The guy knew it wasn't by works because he couldn't do anything but believe. Jesus said, "Uh, let's pull up your tithing record here real quick. Didn't do this. This guy couldn't go to church. He couldn't go to the synagogue. Think about it. He couldn't work in a ministry. He couldn't run a camera. He couldn't sign up to be a hero. Couldn't do any of that. Couldn't study the doctrine. Couldn't quote any of the scripture. All the guy did was simply believe. And I love what Paul says. He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done. So he knows we will do righteous things. We should be doing righteous things. But he doesn't save us by those righteous things. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth by the renewal by the Holy Spirit. He's this guy got it. I cannot be saved by my works because I can't do any of those works now. I simply believe you and I need it. Think about that. Not by your works. I love works, but I'm going to tell you something. Works doesn't save you. I, I don't care how much money you give to the church. I appreciate you volunteering, but that doesn't save you. You were not even saved by being baptized in water. I don't care if you were baptized by a teaspoonful or a tankful, they kept you under for 35 seconds to make sure it worked. You are not saved by those works. How many? thank God you are saved by simply believing and receiving that he is the Lord of my life, period. There's nothing I can do. And only when I got it, I was raised in church, but only when I got it that I was in a sinful condition and that without him, I can do nothing, and I had a respect and an awe for his. I deferred to him in my life. Only then, when I asked for it, only then could he put my life back together. Only then, because this guy got it. He knew this world is so temporal, but there's eternity waiting, and it is forever, and that guy got it. He said, I gotta deal with this now while I'm still here in this temporal world. And only then, when you get that, can your life ever be put together for eternity or even for right now? Because look what he says. Then Jesus looks at him and says, he says, remember me when you come to your kingdom, Jesus. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be in paradise. Remember. You know what I like about that word, remember? It's not just about, oh, hey, just think about me if you can, Jesus. You know, pop in a good word for me and just remember me. I think there's more to just remember. I think uh, there's another word called dismembered. And I think there's some folks dismembered here this morning. I think there's things that this world, that Satan has sent and used people that just ripped you apart. You don't even believe God. You're about ready to give up on church and serving the Lord. It may have even have been a believer, somebody godly that did you wrong or life has just been hell for you since since you could remember. But I'm gonna tell you what Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me. And you know what I think Jesus really does? When we admit our condition and we realize he's the only one, and there's this awe that he is the only one, I think he remembers us. I think he starts putting pieces together that were so disjointed, so fractured, so broken that nobody could ever put together, but only he could put it together how many of you are here today as a witness say, Pastor, I've watched him put my life together and I can't believe what he's done with me. It was a shambles, but here I am today I can't believe what God has done and if this is where he's brought me so far I can't wait to see where he's taken me. How many of you are like your pastor saying I can't wait to see where he's taken me? Can't believe it. Only Jesus can put it together. Only he can give you eternal life.